0: Can you hear me loud and clear? Yeah. Under, pressure pa- <laughs> Under pressure from the pastor. Under pressure from the pasture, I'm wearing this. Um, and I had to go out yesterday morning and buy a new top to get a pocket. <laughs> every, every top I had and every skirt I had, not a pocket. So I had to go out and buy this. Brand new for this morning, complete with pocket. So. We're here. (laughs) I have to say, I'm delighted to be here, but I'm terrified as well. So it's a combination, Um, but it's a privilege. Always, always a privilege to speak from the word of God. It's a blessing. And I see a very special friend here this morning. And another one here, haven't seen for years. So it's lovely to have you, and it's lovely to be here. So let's just turn to the Word. Um, John 13, a very well-known chapter in the Bible, but I think some of it you will find that I'm coming out from a totally different angle. So it's John 13. Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew it as our had come, that he should depart from this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. Then he came to Simon Peter, and Peter said to him, Lord, are you washing my feet? Jesus answers and said to him, what I am doing, you do not understand now, but you will know after this. Peter said to him, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, if I do not wash you, you have no part with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not only my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Total submission, total submission. Jesus said to him, He who is bathed needs only to wash his feet, but is completely clean, and you're clean, but not all of you. And we were, oh no, go on a bit further. For he knew he would betray him, therefore he said, You're not clean. So when he had washed their feet, taken his garments, and sat down again, he said to them, Do you know what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you, see what you say, Well, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. And just pray that Lord will bless this reading and this word as we go through it. Now, the the thing that spoke to me, there are four different things that spoke to me in this. And the first one, which really, really impacted me was verse 3. Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hand, and they had come from God and was going to God, took a turn and so forth. And that really impacted me because I thought, Jesus knowing who he was, knowing where he had come from, knowing where he was going to, made all the difference in his life and who he was. And you know that TV program, Who Do You Think You Are? where people go way back in their generations. Well, what I, I turned that around and said, do you know who you are? That's the question. Do you know who you are? In Christ. So I love this verse because it gives us such confidence and makes such a difference to how we behave and how we view ourselves when we know who we are. And especially when as Christians we know who we are in Christ. Because of ourselves, basically, we are, we are still condemned sinners, but in Christ, we, a, a really brilliant, your reading this morning sort of led into this. I couldn't quite believe it. It was really God-ordained. So it's, when we know who we are in Christ, it makes such a difference to our lives. And here's a few scriptures give us some guidance on who we are and what we have in Christ. Now, there's a whole list of them, and I've got the, the um, verses here for them, but I'm not going to read them out because It'll take too long, but we're born again, new creations. We've been set free from the law of sin and death. It's for freedom that Christ has set us free, not to be entangled again with a yoke of bondage. Are you free this morning? Are you free? Knowing that you're free, God has set you free, washed you, cleansed you, delivered you, set you free. Are you free this morning? Do you know you're free? And he says, Not to be entangled again. How many times do we get born again, get saved? And and new creations, and bit by bit by bit, we slip back. But God's saying this morning, don't be entangled again. Keep going on. We're sons and daughters of God, and heirs and joint-heirs with Christ, and all that he won on the cross. We're seated in heavenly places with him, above all principalities and powers. Are you seated in heavenly places this morning? Are you living up to the potential that God has given you, far above all principalities and powers? Not allowing the devil to get the victory. I was just praying last night. The situation I was just praying. We're meant to be the head, not the tail. It says that in Deuteronomy. We're the head, not the tail. So often the devil makes us the tail, but we're not. We're set free, and we're seated in heavenly places with Christ to reign with Him. To reign with Him. We have the help, guidance, and power of the Holy Spirit. Many verses in John 14. And here's a good one. We're soldiers in the army of God. And we've been given the whole armor of God to protect us and help us in our battles. And we will have battles, for Jesus said that, in this world the tribulation, the d- devil has come to seek, kill, and destroy. But we have been clothed with the whole armor of God to protect every part of us. All our needs are supplied through him, Philippians. We are more, more than conquerors through Christ. We're not just tripping over the line. We are more than conquerors We're in the victory through Christ. If we don't know this, how are we going to live it out? It's all right just knowing it up here, but the only way to get it working in your life is put it into action. Start doing it. Start living as conquerors. Start living as victorious. Start living as sons and daughters as the living God. Each one of us, because every one of us, to some level or another, is under attack. from the the enemy, he's in a constant battle he has a will to war and we have to have a will to stand and battle and and win the victory that Christ has already established for us, we need to establish it, he has won it and Pastor's been talking to us about the crowns we will receive when we get the glory, but here's one Psalm 103 we are crowned daily with loving kindness and tender mercies so we have a crown here as well we don't have to wait till we get there to have a crown. We're crying daily with loving kindness and tender mercies. God loves us, cares for us. He just wants the best for us. We have peace with God. Oh, that song we were singing, we live daily under his grace. We're saved by it and kept by it. How wonderful. Not of ourselves because we couldn't do it. It's His grace, wonderful grace, beautiful grace, glorious grace, powerful grace. That's the grace. Best of all, we have peace with God because He is our peace, and have a sure and certain hope of a future with Him for all eternity. Isn't this amazing? He doesn't just save us and leave us; it's all all eternity. And best of all, we are loved by Him eternally the Everlasting Father. Eternal love, never-ending. And uh, what I put here is the helmet of salvation. I was talking about the armour. The helmet of salvation is one of the most vital parts of the armour because it protects our mind and our thoughts. And we all know the one place the enemy attacks and plays havoc is in our minds. See, so the devil has no real power now because God has defeated him and stripped him, made him buried, Jesus, and, and, and went into hell. But the power he does have is to sit on your shoulder and whisper into your ear. That's his power. But we have power to overcome that because we have the helmet of salvation. And the helmet of salvation is the word of truth, the word of God, because the devil is whispering lies. We come back with the word of truth. Our mind is protected by the word and if we know, we must know the word. If we don't know the word, we will be lost. We will be defeated. But if we know the word, we're more than conquerors because it's the word that, that pushes the devil back and defeats him. What, what, what is this helmet? It's a sure knowledge and assurance that we are who we are, the word says, and that nothing, absolutely nothing, can separate us from his love. Nothing. It says that Romans eight thirty eight 38 and 39. I don't know what these are going to appear. Some of them aren't, some of them aren't. It is interesting in Ephesians 6 and 17, the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, are both included together in one verse. The Word tells us who we are. The helmet protects that information when the enemy comes to attack, and the Word becomes the sword as we counterattack. It's powerful. God's provision <coughs> into our lives is far more powerful we actually sometimes realize. And the more we realize who we are and what we have in Christ, the more we will overcome and the more we will live in victory and the more we'll be a powerful force in the, in the earth to, to shine for God. More and more we see the value of the word in our daily lives. So that's, that was the first bit. That, was, uh, that bit was about, do you know who you are? The second bit you will not have heard I don't think, spoken about before. It's about feet. Have you I had a sermon on feet? You're getting one this morning. It says, reading this, when I was reading this, I got to thinking about feet. Why did Jesus wash their feet? I know in those days the men, the groves were dusty and dirty, as they still are, when we were out there. Um, and the men wore open-toed sandals, so their feet got all dusty and dirty and needed to wash. But our hands get dirty every bit as much as our feet. In fact, sometimes more. We have a wee, a wee great-granddaughter comes to visit us, and you know she's been there when, when she goes away because sticky things everywhere. And the, the glass doors is all sticky fingerprints, and sticky fingerprints over the arm is the tea. She leaves her, her handprints behind. So hands get dirty. Why not your hands? If not, as much? The thing is, I not know, I said about open sandals and stuff, They wash it. In other words, our Lord and Saviour, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the creator of the universe, was fulfilling his role as a servant king. He came as a saviour, as a lamb, and became, it said, made himself of no reputation, took upon himself the form of a servant. And here he is actually fulfilling that practicality. And so uh, it said, I started thinking about what the Bible says about foot. And there, were feet, and there were some enlightening ideas. Jesus' feet, anointed by the woman who poured a whole flask of expense, expensive ointment on them and wiped them with her tears and her hair. His feet were nailed to the cross. And I always think it's an interesting verse. When the disciples saw Jesus after he rose from the cross, it they fell down and held on to his feet. Why did they hold on to his feet? I wondered about that. And I thought it was because they didn't want to, didn't want to lose him again. We're afraid of him disappearing again. Down worship, hold on to him. Don't let him go. Do we feel like that about Jesus? We don't want to lose him in our lives. We want to hold on to him. He's important. Special. Our saviour, our friend. Or can we take him or leave him? Think about that. How important is Jesus to you and to me, to each one of us? So they held on to his feet and worshipped him. I often wonder, and I haven't got an answer to this next bit, why would he not let Mary touch him? Because he said, don't touch me, I've not yet ascended to my father. And yet the disciples touched him and held on to him. So there was obviously some reason for that, but I haven't got the answer to that one. These are things that come into my mind as I read the Bible. Uh, in, the song, in the Song of Solomon, it says, his legs are pillars of marble set on basis of pure gold. And in Revelation 5, chapter 1, it says, his feet were like fine brass, as it were refined in a furnace. In other words, they shone like burnished brass. And that's, that's fantastic. If you think of the, the, uh, the big giant in Song of uh, Daniel, his legs were uh, and feet were a mixed stuff and they crumbled. But Jesus' feet and legs are made of pure solid marble and his feet are pure gold. It's this fine brass, refined in a furnace like burnished brass, Our resurrected, exalted Christ has solid, dependable, immovable, shining feet. We can totally rely on him in every situation. He never changes. I was thinking about sitting at his feet and these thoughts here came to me. But just just about his feet before we go any further, I was just thinking, if he never changes, if his feet are solid, you know it says in the Bible, yesterday, today, and forever, he never changes. Then we have a solid, reliable, dependable God who will never let us down. And sometimes we feel that maybe he has let us down, we've prayed for a long time, prayed for something and we haven't seen it happen. But just this week, as a matter of interest, Joyce Meyer has been preaching on trust, and trust, 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 trust. And that's, that's where this trust comes in. When we don't see the answers, we always have to know that God knows best. He knows what's the, the end and the beginning. And we have to trust. Trust is part of our walk. It's just this Faith, trust, hope, joy, peace. It's all part of our walk. And we can't trust him because of what we just read. His feet are solid brass, his legs are solid marble. He's immovable, unchanging, everlasting, loving, powerful. So I was thinking about sitting in his feet and these what I thought about. Luke ten thirty nine. It says I forgot up here, no I haven't. Luke ten thirty nine, Martha had a sister called Mary, <coughs> who also sat at Jesus' feet, and heard his word. And you see in the Bible, sitting the feet at the feet of a rabbi uh, was a place of learning. So, and, and the Jews called Jesus. Some of them called him the called him rabbi. So when we're sitting at the feet of Jesus, we're sitting in a place of learning. Paul said. He sat at the feet of Gamaliel Gamaliel, (laughs) and was educated with him. Mary sat at the feet of Jesus and listened to his teaching. And we can do no better. We can do no better and sit at his feet through our words, through reading and study of his written word and learn more about him. So it's the place of learning, sitting at the feet of Jesus. Listening to his word, reading his word, studying his word. It's also the place of prayer. When we bow down at Jesus' feet to pray, it's just think our prayers can take us to places where our physical feet can never go. So our prayers give us feet, feet to pray for the, particularly in these days. I was just talking to John and Linda this morning in the prayer room about um, the persecuted church number of people being killed, slaughtered, tortured, imprisoned, burned for their faith worldwide is growing and growing. The Christian faith is now the most persecuted faith in the world. But when we pray, we can bring God's help, God's provision, God's strength, God's peace, God's protection into the lives of our brothers and sisters and places in the world where our physical feet can never take us. And uh, what, I meant to, what I meant to say was, and meant to bring with me this morning, a few um, a few re- release, this is coming off, a few release international uh, magazines, uh, in case anybody wanted. Release international work with the um, persecuted church, um, and they're a really good organisation to support and encourage. So I'll bring the magazines late next week, in case anybody would be interested pardon me, then it's the place of worship. And this is a a well-known part of the Bible. When Mary bowed down in worship and broke the bottle of perfume over Jesus' feet and washed him with her tears, (coughs) pardon me, the perfume would have spread through the whole house. And then when she went out, she carried the perfume with her, on her feet, and in her hair. And the, per- the bottle of perfume that she broke—it was worth a year's wages—and she emptied the whole lot over Jesus' feet. She Didn't just put a wee drop or two; she emptied the whole lot. And I thought, when we come into God's presence, what do we bring? What do we bring to Him? Do we bring him all our hearts and all our worship, and worship him in spirit and in truth as he desires? All the love of our hearts, basically. Or are we half-focused on him and looking at what somebody else is doing, or thinking what somebody else might be looking at us? Or are we totally focused on him? Mary was totally focused on him because she came into a place. She was a woman that says of, of a mixed reputation. Uh, she came into a place full of men, which was against the culture at that time. But she was so focused on worshiping Jesus, she didn't care. She just got down, emptied out the oil in his feet, wept over his feet, and then wiped them with her hair. A total focus on him. And we sing that chorus, focus my eyes on you, O Lord, focus my eyes on you, to worship in spirit and in truth, focus my eyes on you. Are we totally focused on Jesus when we come into worship? Mary gave him all the most valuable things she owned out of the fullness of her heart. She was fully focused on him and didn't care. She was flying in the face of propriety by coming into a room full of men. thing is, what do we leave behind, and what do we take with us when we leave the place of worship? Do we leave behind a sweet-smelling aroma, or do we leave behind a bit of a stench because we've been critical of somebody we've heard on our worship and our praise, and then we're maybe having our coffee and we're talking to somebody, and we be critical, or we say something sharp to somebody or are we maybe a bit jealous of somebody? Or do we say, what a lovely service, how lovely to meet with God. It was great to be here, great to be here in the house of the Lord. Leave it a sweet aroma. And what do we carry out? Do we do the same thing? Do we go out and start criticising? Or do we go out and say, it's great this morning? loved the presence of God. It was lovely to be there. What do we take with us? What do we bring with us? Or do we just go out and forget we have been in his presence? Our feet, that's Jesus' feet, our feet. Showed with the gospel of peace, evangelism. Described as lovely in Isaiah, Now, if you saw my feet, you wouldn't say they're lovely. And I'm sure many of us are the same. Um, But according to Isaiah, how lovely on the mountains are the feet of those who bring good news, Proclaiming proclaiming peace, announcing news in Zion. So when we're going out, as the teams do on a Sunday night, They're going out with their feet shed with the gospel of peace. They're bringing the story of Jesus. They're bringing the love of Jesus. They're bringing the goodness of Jesus. They're bringing the peace of Jesus. They're bringing Jesus into the homes that they knock on those doors. That's our feet. But as it says here, look, look our feet get dirty again. So we always need to be coming to Jesus and asking him, Lord, wash me, wash me with Peter, cleanse me, forgive me. One John, if we confess our sins, He's faithful. Sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So it's always important to have a wee bit of a, an audit now and again. See if there's any dirt in between our toes or not. Our physical toes, now, it's our spiritual, our spiritual toes and our spiritual feet, and say, Lord, forgive me. I'm sorry. Cleanse me. Restore me. And then, get dirty again. Where we choose to walk. Yes. Where we choose to walk. Do we go places that maybe are not just where we should be going as sons and daughters of God? And maybe our feet get dirty again. Our spirits are wounded, our spirits are soiled, and we need to come and repent again, and get washed afresh in the blood. And washing each other's feet equals service, and indicates our willingness to obey God's word, which is, what does the Lord require of you? To do justly, love mercy, and walk humbly before your God. Now, the next uh, heading I have is example, verses 12 to 15. Uh, And it says, but when, no, that's not it. That's not 13. John Sorry, I got the wrong chapter. When he'd washed your feet, taking his garments and sat down, he said to him, Do you know what I've done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you say, Well, if I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. Now, we know that Jesus didn't mean literally to wash each other's feet Although in one of the churches that we were in, the lady came one night with a basin and water it, and said she had come to wash the feet of the pastor and the elders. So I was hoping they'd clean socks no and <laughs> all before before they took their shoes off. Uh, but that, I don't think that's what Jesus meant. He didn't mean deliberately washing our, our physical feet. But rather that we were willing to love and serve each other to the same level as he had, by making himself like the lowest servant. And as a consequence, the world outside would see the reality of true Christian love. And they too want to become part of his family. And I think in East Point, that's one of, the, one of the things that we have been aiming for and hope we are achieving and will continue to achieve to greater and greater measure to love each other, to serve each other, to support each other, pray for each other, to encourage each other. That is what Jesus, that's the example he left to be willing to bow down and serve. And the final bit is completion. And it's verse 1. Now when the feast of the Passover, before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come, that he should depart from this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. Jesus loved disciples, his disciples right to his very last breath. Even on the cross, he made arrangements for John to take care of his mother after he was gone. And after his resurrection, he appeared to them on a number of occasions and even cooked breakfast for them on the beach. Jesus' love is never ending, never ceasing, never failing. What a wonderful, loving, caring saviour we have. And even better, he has promised to do the same for us. He said in Matthew, go into all the world and preach the gospel, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the world. And in Psalm 23, well known, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you, Lord, are with me. So right through a very last breath in this world and into eternity, he continues with us. Never leaves us, his, his feet go with us, he walks with us through the valley of the shadow. So, uh, I, oh, that all made me think what a wonderful Savior we have. He loves us, he walks with us, he serves us, he died for us, and he continually supports us. David, it gives, provides all our needs, we're complete. It's really complete in him. But I was thinking, maybe you're here today, or maybe there's more than one person here today, and you're facing trials and tribulations and problems and anxieties. Don't struggle on by yourself. Reach out to Jesus and know he's there with you right there with you. but reach out to your brothers and sisters in Christ. Because that's how Jesus can work, through, each, through us to each other. Mr. Morrow, those of you who used to go to Dundonald Elam a number of years ago, we remember Mr. Morrow. And he offered somebody a lift, and they said, Oh, no, I'm all right. I'll get home myself. And he used to say, Don't rob me of a blessing. Because by not being able to serve them, he felt he was losing out on the blessing. So don't rob your brothers and sisters of the blessing of serving you and ministering to you and supporting you. If you have a need or a worry or an anxiety, reach out to each other. Somebody you can trust. Let them pray with you. Let them encourage you. Let them stand with you in prayer. It's what God has called us to do, serve one another. If you need help or encouragement or prayer today, and you would like somebody to pray with you, speak to Diane or myself, any of the core team, or just somebody you trust, and ask them to pray for you, and to share your problems. And know that it will be confidential because we're part of the body. And we're only too happy to come and serve you and meet your needs. So I've asked Susan if she would sing, or if the team would sing, The servant king, and sort of make this like a prayer. We give our lives as a daily offering to the servant king. We just ask you to do that, to stand, and we're going to sing.